eerste ervaring. En nu, ladies en gentlemen, uw attention, please. Big decisions have even bigger consequences in the world of marketing leadership, where data informs everything, second chances are rare, and ROI is no longer the only metric that matters. Please join us as we go inside the funnel. Welcome to Inside the Funnel. It's a big day today for two reasons. First of all, we've got Jenna in town. Hey! Yay! Yay! Welcome, Jenna, Confetti. in person, IRL. IRL. She's come out of Good eye. closet, out of your new house. <laughs> it is I. <laughs> it would have been interesting for you to do one from your new studio, in Chicago, your new Chicago studio. It would studio. have been. However, we never actually record the videos, ever. No, that's true. this time. And that, of course, brings us to the second big reason why today is new, because we are broadcasting glorious Technicolor. Yeah. So we are on video. And in light of the fact that we are on video, uh, Dan has really chosen to dress up. He's yep, brought my half his cat <laughs> half his cat on his shirt, it seems. Well done. Thank you for making You're the welcome. effort. You're welcome. You have a bit of cat on your glasses as mm-hmm. well. Okay. It's amazing what I can see when I'm <laughs> in person. Being, being this close to you makes me uncomfortable, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. <laughs> All right, but 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 it's actually a big deal that um, you came in and, and graced us with your presence, Jenna. Thank yeah, you for coming. You have been graced. You are welcome. You haven't traveled as much this year, have you? See, that's what everybody says, but it's all a matter of perception. I okay. have been here at least every month. Uh-huh. I just mm-hmm. took October off because I moved into my place and did not travel in October. Otherwise, I was here in September twice. Mm-hmm. Question mark. I remember. Really? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I paid and now it's November. In case you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's at that time of year, actually, that we start doing these retrospectives around what a year it's been. But I don't, I mean, yeah, I hear what you're saying about traveling here quite a bit, but have you been traveling elsewhere a lot this year, comparatively speaking? Comparatively speaking, no, Mm -hmm. actually. It's kind of a weird year. Uh, The front half of the year still felt very COVID-y in terms of, like, what Mm. clients wanted you to do, right, Right. being in person and things like that. Um, As you know, we went to Spain. Hamon. Hamon. <laughs> and Rioja. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other than that, no, not really. Um, I did, however, just book a trip for February to New Mexico. And I'm going to do Albuquerque. Just mm. kidding. It's called Albuquerque. Um, what did Bugs Bunny call it? I don't know. You take, a ride, at, you take a ride at Albuquerque. Anyway, I don't know. Somebody look that up. Um, and Santa Fe. And I'm going to go to Taos and see the Pueblos. Which would be super cool. What about you, Dan? Are you going anywhere? No. Just here. <laughs> no. Too much okay. work to do, Nasser. <laughs> you wouldn't know about that, though. No, actually, that's why I've missed. We haven't done a lot of these podcasts, <sighs> and I do miss them because mm-hmm. the truth is, and you may not have worked this out yet, but I'm a little bit of a charlatan. I mm-hmm. depend entirely on you guys to say smart things, which I then repackage in my head and I regurgitate, but I do it... You know, I mean, with with a slightly better looking veneer, handsomely, which, you do handsomely, it handsomely, handsomely mm-hmm. which um, this then helps <laughs> <laughs> Is it too late to go back and not do the video? <laughs> it might be too late. It is too ah, late. The ship has shit. sailed. Okay, yep. Car- keep going, Master. Regale us. Mm-hmm. So, so 
let's let's look back because I think I think we're at this really good time of year to kind of look back and look forward mm -hmm. um, and kind of say to ourselves what have we been excited about what have we been frustrated about um, and and what are we super excited about looking forward mm -hmm. um, and in particular what are the things that we think we've never been able to do before that we think we're going to be able to do mm. now or we hope to be able to do now. Mm -hmm. um, I'll go last because what I'll do is... Charlatanism. Well, that's it. I've got to cannibalize you your yes. ideas <laughs> yeah. and mm -hmm. make them just a little bit better. Yes. Pass them off as your own. That's yeah, it. Good. Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. good. So, so if we think about the first half of the year, you're right, Jenna, it was kind of weird. Um, it was kind of COVID-y because it felt like a holding pattern. Like yeah. people, people were really... I feel like people were very scared to try new things. For sure. For sure. And I think that has bled through. This is November, and I think maybe people are kind of getting out of that just now. Right. Because we were out of COVID. Everybody agreed. But then were we in a recession? No, right. we were just in an inflation or whatever. Is mm -hmm. we, Are we? Aren't we? You know? And so I think people just stuck to the tried and true. Um, we had so much turmoil and shakeup in the previous three-ish years Right. That people are like, okay, finally it's calmed down to a place I recognize. I'm not going to touch anything, basically. And I think people just kind of stuck with that. My hope for next year is that that changes and it goes back to more of what we actually used to do. Yeah, it's it's been very striking for me how in the first part of the year there were a lot of instances, and by a lot I mean you can count them, like more than more than a handful, right? where um, brands, um, organizations said, okay, we, we, want, we want to change agency. We need mm. new thinking. We need mm. new ideas. Mm -hmm. And they put you through uh, an exhaustive and exhausting RFP process. Mm -hmm. And at the end, you know, it's like, well, yeah, <laughs> only joking. We're, we're JK, just gonna, JK. Yeah, we're, we're going to just yeah. keep doing the thing mm -hmm. that we're doing <clears throat> for now. Um, and we'll get back to you yep. at, towards the end of the year. Right. And, right. and like, why, why do you think that is? There's a huge chance to upset the apple cart. Right. Right. And so there's a million cliches you can use, the devil you know, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff. Grass isn't always greener, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But it is true, especially when you're playing with media dollars from that perspective. You can break things badly mm -hmm. uh, if the new agency screws anything up or if the transition isn't smooth or in some cases – Clients still, it is 2024 almost, clients, many of them still don't own their own platform accounts, which would mean that if you switch agencies, then it has to be rebuilt from the ground up. And that is terrifying, right? right? Because you lose all your history, you lose all of that sort of stuff. Moreover, though, I think it's that stability thing that I mentioned. Mm. It had finally kind of leveled out to where you actually knew what was going to happen next. And so that could have been considered a win for a lot of brands that were up and down and all over the place in the pr in the previous years and maybe that was good enough mm -hmm. for the time being so that idea of stability is interesting because um one of the analogies that we were using early on in the year is that everything felt like you were on a beach and you're building these sandcastles on this beach so there's there's a there's an inherent lack of stability right mm -hmm. in that and like ah, i've just come out of this huge environment of disruption. I'm not really sure what the outlook looks like. I don't know what my audiences are doing. I don't know what my com competitors are doing. Mm -hmm. um, there's all of this change, and, and I'm just trying to not screw it up. That's it. And, yeah. and then all of a sudden you get an enormous tidal wave 
on the horizon. Mm-hmm. And you can see it coming, yep. right? Yep. And that's that's the AI um, revolution right. that we're seeing now. <clears throat> yeah, and I think, you know, hand in hand with the stuff that's creating a little bit of this start and stop is look back at the topics that we've discussed together over the last 12 months and how often we've had to kind of revisit them, mm-hmm. like the privacy yeah. the privacy movement, on again, off again, indifference. I don't know what's going on. We don't know what's going on any more than the people listening do because, you know, we're connected to the industry maybe a little closer to our context. I hope so. But, uh, but we're still... <laughs> no, but we're still... Uh, Where's your value yeah. proposition, Jenna? We're still <laughs> subjected, I think, to the... Um, the lack of real concrete decisions that have been sure. made in that space. And I think when we look at the talk to the people we're talking to with our clients and prospects, they are a little paralyzed by the fear of uncertainty connected to that yep. as well. Um, you know, and again, we're probably going to talk about AI a lot today um, as that has evolved. And that will be our third or fourth main topic talking about just that subject alone, because right. even in the last seven days, we've seen significant change, which we'll touch on sure. I'm sure. But um, people aren't sure what that means, you've got IT people, marketing communications people, operations people, all working together, having their own versions of our own internal conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's adding layers of friction and complexity to what used to be a little simpler. I think that's why the efforts we're making to try to to clearly define what is the role that we can play in that space around privacy and data and media and AI to help augment the programs we're running. I think that's where we're finding clarity in that, and I feel really good about the way that we're starting to reposition and repackage some of that stuff to help cut through some of those obstacles. So let, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, and let's start perhaps with earlier on in the year, um, of course, when OpenAI came out and said, you know, here's what we have, mm-hmm. welcome to ChatGPT, and everybody went bananas, and, you know, our, our good friends at Google um, were like, yikes, but we've always been doing yikes, this. Yikes, but also, hello. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and, of course, every third word out of their mouths subsequent to that event has been AI. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I feel like we're in a holding pattern as far as that's concerned because they've announced a lot of AI-driven innovation. Mm-hmm. Have we seen them yet? On the SERP itself, yes, with the inclusion of BARD or OpenAI on Bing. Um, still a lab product, though. It right? is still a lab product. Mm-hmm. It's still an experiment. But the promise of um, Google Marketing Live was all around their paid ad products and how AI was going to be infused throughout and it was going to be this simple interface and you're just going to talk to the AI and tell it about your business. haven't seen any of that rolled out yet. Mm -hmm. Now, they did give a time frame through 2024 to roll all of that out, but um, I don't understand what the delay is, honestly, because everything comes out in alpha first and then in beta and we are always invited to betas and we haven't heard a single solitary peep about any of it which right. is really interesting um on the serp though with you know sge on google still being a lab or an experiment it's changing constantly all the time mm-hmm. and i you have to wonder at the reams and reams of data that they're going through to understand how that's working and what it's doing because part of the problem is going to be how it all gets monetized Right. And I think that's probably why some of this stuff is slower to roll out because as certain things overlap with one another, so, for example, one of the uh, ad types that we always talk about with Google is Pmax, Performance Max, right, which does show up on search, does show up on YouTube, does show up in all the other places mm-hmm. that you can also go and buy those things. As AI gets infused into all of their ad products, while Pmax is meant to be incremental and theoretically is, 
Um, they've got to figure out how to monetize this whole chat or AI-driven experience mm -hmm. further. <clears throat> That's the every time we get asked a question about measurement and and we're not going to be able to measure the inclusion in that stuff until there's money attached to it. Right. That's historically we've seen any major innovation, the measurement opportunities come when they start to commercialize it. Right. And when it's all organic or we're just including it through our innate wisdom, our ability to get real material understanding of that has been pushed down and down. So we're sort of anxiously standing around waiting for that monetization, clear, decisive decisions on how it's going to be monetized, because then we know right away we can jump on that and, and get the measurement we need out of it to determine what's working and what's not. So if you look forward and you say these things do actually roll out, mm -hmm. and, and we're using Google, it, it's it's not just Google, obviously. No, of course, across the board, right. across the board. But but let's let's talk about specifically Google. Um, what do you think? What impact do you think that will have on practitioners and their roles? I pause for effect. No, <laughs> I pause because this could go. This conversation goes in two different directions when I have it. The first one is, I won't need a practitioner at all because the AI will do it for me, says brand person X. Mm -hmm. um, sort of true. But what, what this is actually doing is it's leveling the playing field for quite literally anybody that wants to spend a dollar with Google, right? Mm -hmm. So an example I think I've used before, maybe even on this podcast, so sorry to our frequent listener. Um, all one of you. Yes. <laughs> Uncle John's tractor Bob. store. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. not Bob. Uncle it's John's John. tractor store. Uncle John can go advertise his tractors because he can just talk to the AI and tell it about his mm -hmm. business and it'll spin up all the ads, which has taken practitioners today years and years and years to hone that craft and to understand how the platforms work and things like that. That's, that's one argument that you hear. Right. Alongside that, similarly, is, oh, no, this is awful because everyone will have access to the same thing, and so all the output will be the same. How will you differentiate yourself? Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely not the right thing to think because right now today the platform is the same for everybody right. right the difference is who's putting the information in and so we may need fewer practitioners maybe we'll see mm -hmm. but those practitioners will need to think about things differently it's not anymore i understand that the platform works this way and if i put, pull and push these levers this is exactly the output i should expect that is getting much much looser and so what we'll have to do is really understand when you're interacting with an AI interface, what should I expect the outcome to be and how can I make that the best totally. output, right? Think about, like, historically, and we've said this, like, back when it was AdWords, before Google Ads, I said, oh, you know, AdWords certified. My dog could get AdWords certified, <laughs> right? Because it's, I don't even have a dog. Um, but it's, because it was always, certification was about, you want to perform this function, where do you go in the interface to click this button? Right, it didn't teach you to be a marketer. It's gotten harder than that. Right, but, but back in but the day, but it is still very much about. Originally, the I remember yes. when I went through it. Very I mean, much ten a, years yes. ago. It was where in the platform. If you want to perform this function, where do you go to do it? Yeah. It was more about I've certified that I'm. I understand the interface I know and how, how to, to push, push the, the right button and pull mm -hmm. the right lever. Mm -hmm. That's the point I'm making. Well, if you fast forward to tomorrow, when this stuff hits the market, where the pushing of every button and it is just going to just happen innately as a function of the. Of what it is you're trying to achieve, this whole idea about becoming certified in platforms like this is super interesting to me. Like, what is that going to mm. mean? 
if you're certified in Google Ads mm -hmm. in the future futures, what does that look like? And what kind of skill set does that represent? I think that's really interesting. So, so it brings us to, to a point where there's been a movement over the last five, six years <clears throat> where Google and others have basically said, listen, you don't need an agency. Build an in-house team. Yep. Have your practitioners in-house, and we'll take care of the rest. Mm -hmm. um, if, you, if your job is you are an in-house paid search specialist at a brand today, based on what you're saying, should you be retraining for a new role soon? Because mm -hmm. does that specific job go away? No. It changes. It does not go away. Mm -hmm. Because again, the platform has always been the same for everybody. Nothing right. about that is changing with the inclusion of AI into the platform. Mm -hmm. You still are going to have to understand, I did this and this is what happened, right? So right. that's still that's how it works today. Mm -hmm. I did this thing and this is what happened. Now I need to change it in this way to right. make the change that I wanted. Mm -hmm. That same mentality still applies. That test and learn, push and pull, even right. though it's different levers, as it were. Right. So the job still needs to be there. It still has to be somebody that understands an auction, that in future understands how a chat gets fed into an auction, TBD, we'll mm -hmm. find out, right? right? There's still going to be a lot of um, knowledge of how the stuff works that you're still going to need to have. It'll just be different stuff that you're focused on. Mm -hmm. Again, it's going to level the playing field. So if you want your results to be as good as Uncle John's Tractor Shop, fine. D fine. Don't retrain. Just do the thing. Give it to the AI and let it sort it out. That's right. fine. Most brands that we engage with want incredible performance. They want to drive everything from brand lift all the way down to right. store footfall. Yeah. And if you just think that you're going to be able to put it into the AI and have that work out for you, yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't We've said that. that to our clients before too, right? There's a difference between doing the job and then operating an enterprise program at the upper echelon of performance and outcomes Correct. that aren't always directly trackable through the online medium, Right. right? And that's where we're seeing the real distinction of value because I think that the, the democratization of that lower level is really going to have an impact on people who are just playing in that different market level. Yep. So if we think about a few of the big trends, we talk about things like AI, which what you're describing, Jenna, is perhaps more and more of a black box mm -hmm. in terms of put money in here yeah. and outcomes will happen <laughs> over here. Insert coin here. Um, and then you've got this movement around privacy, data deprecation, which yep. we've talked about a lot. Yep. Um, there is a desire for marketers to be, to act like marketers, not just performance marketers, yes. but brand marketers and the, connect the connection between the brand marketing and performance marketing and, and so on. Mm -hmm. So in an environment of you know, increasing black boxes and these walled gardens kind of being created because it's now harder to extract data from one and connect it with yep. another, and that data is becoming more scarce, what do you do? You hire somebody like Ben Demby. Well, I was trying to say your name in Australian, and it didn't work <laughs> at all. I was trying to think, okay, I said, good eye. Try it again. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> I won't. Um, you've got. You've got. A, you've got to preface it. It is I. It, well, then it would have worked uh, if I had said Dan Temby. Good eye. It is I. Dan so, Temby. So, anyway. so Dan Temby. Yes. What, what do you do? Well, I think this is where, um, like, the synthesis of new connections ah, needs to be created. 
And we had this great conversation last week. Remember, we went down a rabbit hole together. We disagreed on something, no and way. we wound up. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was friends, but it, it was a whole narrative. It was arc. a whole narrative. Friends, yeah, behind, enemies, 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 friends. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah Nasser plays the antagonist always in that uh, in that story. Um, but it's really about, yeah, like there are ways. What we're doing is not an exact science. And the more we see converging media budgets that are non-digital, out-of-home, linear, um, other media um, budgets getting consolidated for, to sort of in support of one singular purpose with these brands, there's an, old, there's an baked-in understanding that the data signals are not going to connect exactly, right? right. The way they do in digital. It used yeah, to right. be like right. bottom-up. I've got a cookie idea. I'm going to roll that up, and I'm going to tell you everything you need to know and have a system of record, uh, early conversation, a system of record of a particular user, and I'm going to be able to intervene with that person at any moment, no matter what. And that's just not the case anymore. Right. But it's coupled, it's come at the same time, as we've said in our previous recordings, of this convergence of budgets. So this, is, this reversion back to more traditional statistical methodologies to build synthetic associations between data or correlative associations then prove them out in testing. Um, we're really feeling that as being a push. And now you know as well as I do, every conversation we have about mixed modeling and um, contribution assessments, yep. it's just a default thing. It used to be every now and again we would talk about it, and it's just happening all the time. Then we look at, well, how can we take that even f- further now with generative AI mm-hmm. to help us convert previously qualitative information to help build a quantitative set of attributes in a synthetic data set that can tell a fuller story. And I see that as being the real future. And that's certainly where our bets are internally. Right. right? So that, that's because th- that's something that you absolutely categorically couldn't do before, right? So you have a vision. Oh, yeah. you, you have a vision around applying a performance mindset to all of your activities, right? mm-hmm. to all media, to all content, to all activities. Um, but it's actually incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to do some of this sure. sort of stuff, which is highly qualitative, which is highly emotive, which mm-hmm. is disconnected somehow from or or not as directly connected to a hard number. Absolutely. And and so what's changed that you believe in um, could allow you to do that? Yeah, again, I think we've probably covered this a bit, and it might be a little remedial with some of the previous conversations we've had, but this idea of you know, exploiting the fact that language models are inherently numeric to begin with. Everything they do in output is yep. a function of a numeric representation. So when you're asking it to turn qualitative signals into quantitative, measurable, reliable rubrics that we can connect with other parts of our data set, mm-hmm. it does a surprisingly good job at it. And the better you get at it, the better results you get. The more examples you've got that you build, you feed them back in as part of your knowledge set that is going to make the next version even better. So it's this iterative progression towards like these really reliable, trustworthy um, sets of data that can help bind research and strategy with media planning, with ultimate outcomes and objectives in a really exciting way. So we're excited to, to see, you know, again, what OpenAI announced last week. Everyone's heard us talk about, you know, what we're building in Guardrail uh, and how exciting that is and was and how certainly what they've come out with is sort of moved us in the same direction together. So now we're looking at that saying, oh, that's great. A lot of the stuff we had that we were trying to work on on our roadmap 
we don't have to worry about pursuing anymore because it's being offered to us. And now we're saying, how can we take that and leverage some of the new functionality that we have at our disposal to, to build custom access to proprietary data like the stuff I'm talking about to specific bespoke actions that are going to assist our clients in doing what they need to do. And it's a super exciting time to be in So let, let's explore a little bit more mm-hmm. what they did announce. Because we went for, you know, we had that big announcement yeah. back in November of last mm-hmm. year, right? Where Ooh, a year. It's, it's, been it a year. year. Oh. it's been a year. It's been a year since it came out. Mm-hmm. And kind of the, the the world pivoted on its ear a little mm-hmm. bit. At least the marketing world did. It'd be hard to pivot on your ear. <laughs> 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 well, it would be. Um, but <laughs> I didn't say anything. Um, but uh, what what ended up happening is there was suddenly a galaxy of opportunity, and mm-hmm. uh, develop the development community really jumped on that and said, mm-hmm. "Okay, here's a paper thin application mm-hmm. that yeah. you know directly addresses this gap or or this area of opportunity within yeah. what OpenAI is." offering or, or unable to fulfill today that directly addresses a use case for, for my business or what have you. And mm-hmm. then uh, and then last week, they provided an update mm-hmm. with their new rollouts. And, and you know, you, you can go through this gigantic list of applications and just say goodnight, sweet prince, to each and every one of them because <laughs> you don't have a business. It's anymore, hilarious right? to hear the people complaining that, you know, there's 90% of the startups in this space were, like, were just nullified yeah. in a week. You what, what? said you actually said this in I think our first or our second AI related podcast is that most of the, the most AI products that you're seeing surface right. are just and I think you said wafer thin right. layers of functionality on top of the same models. And guess what? It was just a lot of them were just exploited right. because like the whole there was a, there's a classic example like yo chat with a PDF and the people that that built I think chat. PDF or one of those things were like all up in arms that OpenAI took their idea and took like, the really? thing is that, that they idea? invented or first. Is like, more importantly, why didn't you already think and know that of course they were going to offer that kind of capability, right? For you to augment, you know, um, we I spent about two hours going, man, that really felt like the stuff that we were working on with with guardrail got underpin got undermined and the the earth shifted beneath us. I'm like, oh man, everything we were pursuing and trying to do, it's kind of done now. But guess what? I, it took me about two hours to get my head around it and understand that what we've done is a great platform to now start latching onto the new things that they've done. The creep of concern we deal with in software development all the time, like what platform is responsible for what part of a value equation. Right. We can it's clearly defined for me now. Right. We can hand them off the stuff that we were trying to do pick it up where they left off and start to build these much more bespoke use so, cases. So talk a little bit about what they did announce, sure. the material changes. And the two big things. Wait, before you do that, can I say I'm going to start a band and call it Creep of Concern? Creep of Concern. <laughs> <laughs> Is it going to be a prog rock band? Or? Probably. Or, Probably. Me- or metal. Super, metal. Super, super dark metal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Carry oh, on. Write that down. Take yeah. a note. Um, so, yeah. So last week, the big announcement <laughs> at their first dev day was um, – Two big things, really. The uh, the Im- introduction of GPTs, which is a pluralization of a GPT. Terrible name. Pre-tra- Terrible name. I know. They could have done better. Come on. Generative pre-trained transformer. Now you can build a custom version of ChatGPT with specific instructions. I mean, go back and listen to our last thing where we talked about guardrail. You can do all of that right inside OpenAI now. Right. Terrific. Um, and, and it's, but it comes with the added advantage of, uh, uh, of, of, of um, activating capabilities like 
web browsing, like uh, a vision for uh, interpreting images, for document uh, image creation with mm -hmm. DALL-E 3, uh, and then also the ability to build hooks into toolkits and functions through APIs, um, which we were working towards, but of course we don't need to worry about that now. So now we're focused on what toolkits can we build to get this thing to use, right? right. So they built GPTs, which is the interface that we would all use in front of ChatGPT, and then on the other side of the equation, they built, they've built they launched a thing called the Assistance API, which is essentially all of that functionality that I just said, mm -hmm. except programmatically. So if you wanted to write an application that created one of those behaviors and then executed that behavior and did things, you could do it through uh, your own software. So um, as we sort of move forward down this path, we're presented with two options. One is to how do we consume ChatGPT across a business like ours, and we're talking about ChatGPT Enterprise and what that looks like, and that's not a trivial investment, but if you can get into that, you'll have those capabilities. But not everybody's going to be able to do that. So no. there's still a demand for custom-trained GPT behavior for a particular task or set of tasks with the ability to integrate with tools and actions within your own environment or maybe with second-party partners, um, but not for organizations with the scale to maybe get into the enterprise agreement. So there's there's lots of opportunity for organizations that want to like lean into that and understand how it works. And I'm just so thankful that we jumped in so early right. doing the building because we have a great team of people now that are like really tuned into this stuff and working on a couple of really interesting use cases already leveraging this new stuff. So, so Jenna, what would, going back to that um, inertia that we talked about earlier on and where people have started to perhaps free up and, and get out of that quicksand. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think in your conversations is stopping them from now jumping on this? Because this comes with, with the security and the privacy and, and all of those things directly addressed. Why, mm -hmm. why won't they jump on this? <laughs> they didn't jump on any of it. Right. So now that it is even more advanced and it requires people that understand how to put things together mm -hmm. to Dan's point to make anything useful out of it they have not built that skill set they've been kind of like with cookie deprecation there's a little bit of ostriching ostriching mm -hmm. ostriching sure, you can, head in the sanding you can verb Ost that if you want Ostracizing? <laughs> yeah, that's different. Anyway, they're just not doing it they're yeah. putting their heads in the sand i think a little mm -hmm. bit and waiting for somebody to come out with a productized thing that aligns to what they already know. Right. Um, which and, and the challenge, of course, is that this is a blank canvas. That's it. Exactly. And so most brand marketers aren't the types of people that can go in and figure out what people like Dan can figure out. And most people, they're not even thinking about this the right way. Because the right way is to think of things that are or recently impossible for computers to do. Right. So until you can get your head around thinking about a task you should be offloading or a procedure you should be offloading to AI agents, you have to start reminding yourself to think about what was previously impossible. Give me an example. So I've seen an example from the people at OpenAI working with them um, where they showed somebody had a car accident and what happens when you have a car accident? You take insurance information. You I've take a whole bunch one. of photos. No, no, no. But the process you have to go through. You no, it's good. Not even a fender no, it's good. Not even Touch a fender Touch wood. That's I'm, great. I'm wow. getting educated on what I should be doing right now. Well, get ready. You need you share insurance information. But then once it's over to you, right. what do you have to do? You have to take a bunch of photos. You may have an app. You want to lodge a claim or you contact an agent. Uh, they're going to submit photos. Those photos are going to be bundled up. 
And there's a whole stuff, bunch of stuff that has to happen mm -hmm. so that they can work out who's at fault, who's insurance, like what happens to your premiums long term and your risk profile, yep. how much it costs, What's how much level? it should yeah. cost, right. where does it go right. to get fixed, et cetera. I saw this use case where you have a fender bender with your phone in your app, you open up the agent, you take a photo or two of the damage, and with that one moment, mm -hmm. what happens? You've got GPT vision looking, assessing the damage. Uh, they are running an adjustment uh, formula to work out what it should cost to fix it. They're establishing fault, likelihood of fault, mm -hmm. based on the nature of the accident. They are establishing a claim file for you, populating it with all of your information. They've got your location data, everything needed. They're assembling the request for the quotes from the repair shops, executing all of those, sending them off, and basically just dialoguing their way through, yeah, I got this all handled for you. Don't worry about it. And the input from that person like you that might be on the side of the road with no real idea about what happens next. Can you call your state farm agent, don't you, whatever. They just, oh, I just follow this thing, take a photo, and okay, I'm good now. It's all So these types of, and think about six months ago or a year ago, if someone said, I need, we need to build a system that can do that. Mm -hmm. Like the complexity oh, of yeah. that is unfathomable, right? But now you've got this ability to not only, sure, we've got this system with APIs that, APIs that create a claim, APIs that create a quote and send it off to some brokerage that will go out to repair mm -hmm. shops. No problem. But how do you know at what point in the process to kick off that routine? How do you get the data structured and formatted in a way that can do that. But now you've got GPTs or assistants that can understand the context of the information you're given, understand the context of the tool that's being offered to them, and fill in those gaps in an organic way in real time, right? That's, that's a pretty... So when you think about stuff. that, I would challenge anybody listening to this or watching us, if they couldn't sit down and come up with 10 things that they do as part of their job all day that might involve a third-party uh, hookup or uh, the handoff of information from one point to another. And I'm, it used to be like, oh, I can get it to write a cool poem or I can give it a whole bunch of data and it will give me 10 bullet points back. Right. Like that is almost like child's play by comparison. I'm saying, no, here's a thing and I need this outcome from it. And if you can wire up the right tool, then you can have the outcome done for you. And you can still orchestrate it. You can still be the guiding mind. You can still drive it, but you don't have to do the busy work. You can get onto ten other things, and I think everybody could list ten things that they could probably build in that direction. And that's what we're doing internally. We're going around, it's formed a committee to go department by department by department. What are we doing that we can augment? Mm -hmm. How do we get more efficiency? How do we make your day easier? How do we get more done for the same going forward? Um, and learn a bunch of cool stuff along the way. And again, with the platforms that we've already built, we're finding the the pivot to that to be tremendously straightforward, sure. right? So in the spirit of charlatanism, um, the other day we, I, was, I was having a similar conversation um, which I, I kind of lifted from you um, with somebody who works in digital at a you know, storied department store uh, brand. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a that's an interesting category because obviously they're under pressure mm. and direct consumer through the different brands and products that they sell. And, you know, I went down the whole path of 
um, it gives you the opportunity to do things that you never would have even thought about. And, and they said, well, like what? How would you apply that in my business? So I'm like, oh, come on, really? You're going to put me on the spot like that? And then I said, well, okay, here's a, here's a dumb idea. Um, I'm colorblind, right? 30% of all men are colorblind in one form or another. Based on the evidence I have in front of me, you should get yourself tested, by the way, Dan. <laughs> um, but... Um, Man, I had something on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> highly, family show, highly Dan. inappropriate family response. Show. I'll give you that one for now, and let's move forward. You idiot. But, but you know, the, this idea mm. that co- colorblindness, or at mm. least partial colorblindness, is so pervasive in men... Mm. Um, Try to find any resource to help you determine how to combine. This shirt is green. This pants match this shirt. <laughs> yeah. How to combine and match because of the incredible range of mm-hmm. brands and inventory and colors and all of that sort of stuff that a department store uniquely has as opposed to a brand, mm-hmm. right? A direct mm. consumer brand. But, you know, there's a thing mm. or an idea that would immediately add utility and value in a way that your competitors don't yep. do. Um, and help solve a problem that it's 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 kind of like almost a joke problem. It's like, oh yeah, I'm colorblind. I don't know how to dress. Ha ha ha. But you know, that's the, a real thing. The struggle is real. Yeah. I watched a guy on YouTube last week. There was it was a uh, YouTube short about colorblind, and they gave some colorblind kid a bag of Skittles, and they timed him like and like sort these out. Wow, you know the thing? Awful. It must <laughs> it must be awful to be you. My my disability is not your joke, Dan. I mean, what the hell? Yeah, well, I'm Dan. enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Anyway. Yeah, your empathy is really. I'm gonna really buy good. you those colorblind glasses, oh. and we'll all cry together, and we'll put it on. <laughs> we'll, we'll put we'll it on TikTok because it'll be beautiful. I'm not the Tin Man. Well, <laughs> I think it, you would probably have your mind blown if you could see a full spectrum of rainbow. Yeah, full colors are lost on me. See? Yeah, I don't no. care. Vermont. See? Okay, so might as well be Arizona as far as I'm concerned. Beat it, Vermont. Vermont. <laughs> Beat it, losers. <laughs> so, Jenna, I think, mm-hmm. you know, we're kind of circling around a lot of this. Um, the, the drain. AI we're circling around the drain. It's that time of year. It's hot yeah. in here. Too. It is it very is warm here. in here. But, but let me ask you, as you look forward to next year, like, what are you, what are you most excited about? I am really excited to see what this actually does to the caliber of talent um, and what the expectations are of agencies. Because you mentioned it yourself, we're getting into a lot of these brands think they can take it all Mm in-house. And I think that this will make that conversation worse for an agency, better for a brand. Ah, it's all AI. I'll just take it in-house. But I think it's going to be really amazing to watch the cream of the crop rise even creamier to the topper. Even topper. More to the top. Frothy. Mmm, frothy. Um, <laughs> but what was the sign? Uh, frothy coffee was the <laughs> frothy word for cappuccino, cappuccino in, like, Danish. Welsh. It's a noble language. Don't <laughs> it is a noble language. Um, wow, where was I? Right. So watching how awesome we can make things with the addition of AI, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, it's the smartest, best people who have done this the longest that win in this game. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really fun to see, like, those young upstart kids these days, right, who have a better grasp on what's happening today than sure. us old people, um, they might surpass everybody and do really cool stuff. And I think that'll just be fun yeah. to watch from the sidelines, assuming I don't get fired. <laughs> because I am <laughs> not you're old. I am not a frothy coffee. <laughs> <laughs> you, roll, you roll your R in Welsh, by the way, so it's more I don't, of a you know, frothy I don't know coffee. how to do that, right? Yeah. Yes. I think... <laughs> I think we need to wrap this up. That's what I think. Um, Carry on. <laughs> there's no way that's getting edited out. No. <laughs> to be clear, I'm going to look right down the barrel. That one stays I in. Sh- <laughs> I 
should um, not have tried to roll my R on camera. All right, everybody go ahead. I think <laughs> to build on that, ex- I'm super excited for when, <laughs> for when we can get past this okay. and move forward. Let's take a little break. Nope, just go ahead. Everything's fine here. To build on what Jenna was saying, I think. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> oh, I'm absolutely not going to keep going. Who <laughs> now? Extra hot. Okay. All righty. Here we go. <laughs> Just ignore the purple lady in the corner. Okay. She's going to explode. <laughs> Whew. All right. Jesus, look at is you. It, I don't know. Is it up <laughs> Nobody touch it. <laughs> Who knew the Welsh could be this funny? I know. They're hel- hilarious people. Well, okay. Michael Sheen is very, very talented. He is indeed. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Dan. To build on what Jenna was saying, I really think, as much as we've got these young upstarts who are going to be, you know, smarter and more in tune to, to, to this new paradigm, Right. That's what it is. This is like a technical paradigm that we find ourselves in, right? And that we that has shifted tremendously versus just where it was a year ago and even more so in the last three months. Finding like that moment where the clients we're talking to and the and the and the people we're talking to in the industry mm. start to feel like this is a is the required default way of operating. Because we're still up against, oh, there's resistance and there's this. And I think when everyone gets over that and gets to the part where they accept that this genie is out of the bottle, that there are now mechanisms and tools in place to do a really effective, excellent, production-ready job of this, and suddenly the narrative turns to, well, you tell me specifically how you're going to do this using these tools. Right. I think that's going to be super exciting because it's going to force everybody to step into it. Because at the moment, we're kind of we're pushing and pulling a yep. little bit, and we're, I'm running at 100 miles an hour trying to keep, have everyone keep up with me because I know what's coming. It, it, is, it is striking to yeah. me when you go to these conferences and you listen to right. these panels how the examples that senior marketers at major brands and the only examples they're giving of usage of AI is, oh, yeah, it helped me solve my son's physics homework or right, something. Right, like right. It's all anecdotal. Yeah. It's all yeah. dabbling. Right. Everyone is just dabbling, yeah. and people are terrified yep. of taking a step and because they know mm-hmm. that the consequences of getting this wrong mm-hmm. are material. Yeah, I, I agree completely. And I think being ready to have four, five, six, ten working production examples of real solutions when everyone finally wakes up, right. it's just I'm so excited for that because I think we're going to be very busy with right. a lot of conversations with a lot of people that have already kind of begun, even this week. There's two things going on that are really exciting. And uh, I really think that that's... 24 is going to be such a defining year for us. And then we said, like, and then 25. Like, think about that a year from today, whether we're sitting in this room or whatever room we're doing this in, in one year. Right. To try to project what that conversation is going we'll to be, be like. We'll be in space. Jetpacks. Jetpacks. <laughs> but just think about that for a second. When you look at the year we've had... Where are we going to be in another year? I think that is fascinating and super exciting. Right. So, yeah. Cool. Let's do it. So I'm excited about, back to this idea of charlatanism, but, you know, relieving myself of the technical requirements to do a lot of these things 
and truly having people who are creative and strategic and capable of thinking of bigger things have their vision realized. Yes, exactly. Doing those kinds of things, I think, are, mm -hmm. are going to be extremely exciting, and it's the kind of thing that you're going to start seeing showing up in a material way. Probably when? When do you think you're going to start seeing this? I think um, end of Q1 next year. Oh, wow. You're I was going to say this see, time next year. No, I think you're going to start to see across your trade presses and all of the stuff that we watch, you're going to start to see real meaningful, like my example that I just threw out there, which I know is a proof of concept at the right, moment. Right. We're going to go from proof of concept to, man, remember that, oh, your last best experience is the new default expectation going forward conversation right. we have? Right. That's, that's, that's months away in, in, with, with some mainstream things that we're going to encounter where you're going to be like, man, why, I can't, I can't never, I can never go back. I can only mm. have this mm. done this way from now on. So for, for that, <clears throat> for people to start realizing the impact in four months we're talking about, yeah. in four months' time, what do they need to be doing right now? They need to, like, all in on understanding, the, like I said before, writing down these material use cases in your business. What have you got on your website right now that is a 10-step complex funnel mm. that could be a three-point mm. conversation? And I don't care if you can't get your head around how that can work. Write it down and start experimenting with what's required to just have this magic in the middle connect all of those dots, mm. right? Write it down. Look for clunky extra steps in everything that you're doing and say that shouldn't be like that. That can be improved. In a, not, not by improving the form or improving the workflow or improving the call to action, but improving the entire modality of that data collection and exchange right. in a way that was impossible for you to think about only a couple of months ago. And I think that's, that's what they need to do. And you very quickly learn that with the right people at your side and the right tools and capabilities, turning that into a working prototype and ultimately something you can put into production is not as far away as you're going to think it is. How about you, Jenna? Well, <laughs> I started thinking about stealing Dan's frustrates, and right. so I got off track mentally. Do it. Do it. I'm not. I'm what are you all positive, all rainbows right now, so you go for it. Oh, it's so insufferable. I have a frustrate. <laughs> it's weird. It's backwards. Yeah. Counterintuitive. I know. I have a frustrate that I have turned the Luddite corner, I think, right? My whole persona about being the person who thinks AI is going to eat us, it's still going to. <laughs> um, well, his, I've turned a corner on it. I'm embracing it, and yeah. I have a bit of a frustrate about that because I wanted to be the last man standing. You've really, lost your identity. Yeah, yeah, I don't know who I am anymore. You're, right. You've you've added white piping to your black sweater. Mm. That's what this is. That's right? what it is. Yes. So with that, and because I do like having you around, Jenna, and I think you know, before you uh, insult the Welsh again and end <laughs> up drinking your frothy coffee by yourself in a Starbucks at your office this time next year. Mm. We'll wrap up this episode of Inside the Funnel. Thank you for joining us. Have a happy new year, and we look forward to seeing you in an AI-filled new year. You've been listening to Inside the Funnel with Jenna Watson, Dan Temby, and Nasser Salul. Until next time, don't forget to like, subscribe, and connect with the AC wherever you see us online.